illustrious career as an underage streetwalker. Performances of Godspell and Jesus Christ Superstar should be forward announced with a grim warning for young ladies. Abandon hope all ye who enter here. Musicals are sticky and dangerous, and they lead by tempting example. The seamier characters in the cast always get the best songs. The rudest, most inviting dance numbers, the most enticingly risque costumes. Productions like Sweet Charity and Cabaret wear rows and rows of intensely beautiful saucy whores decked out in hot pants and fishnet stockings and bowler hats high-kick their way around wooden chairs, which seems, in hindsight, a misguidedly cheery response to their presumably bleak working conditions inevitably make prostitution appear an exciting profession. If selling one's soul to the devil involved face makeup and a sequined bow tie... As a child, I was mystified as to why parlour madams weren't beating off potential employees with a stick. Perhaps if veterinary nurses were allowed to wear feather boas and false eyelashes, I may have been equally enamoured with the idea of sticking my hand inside dogs' vaginas. As a prepubescent, masturbation was a revelation. A ticket out of Dullsville, directly into the sticky, pulsating, heady area of grown-ups. Somewhere along this naive and playful voyage of physical discovery, I decided that if touching oneself in the lap area felt so good, it was only natural that prostitutes, who were touched on their laps a great deal if schoolyard rumours were to be believed, felt good all day long. Combined with the glamour of musical theatre, it was a no-brainer. Suffice to say, I never quite achieved the dream, despite what you may read in the Murdoch press, and as an adult, I ceased aspiring to be a prostitute and instead became fixated on whether my boyfriends had slept with one. I pushed and prodded my long-suffering partners, bullied them in those easy, unguarded moments that creep in during lengthy afternoons, touching toes beneath beer garden tables. I wanted to know obscene details and lurid insights, to get the inside story on what exactly happened when you were alone in a room with someone you'd just paid for sex. Who made the first move? What would be your opening gambit? Did anyone fumble with a bra? Was there even a bra? You can tell me, I would say, with a general air of what I hoped was cheer and trustworthiness. I'm not worried. I'm not going to judge you. Whether the men involved had been burnt by such breezy assurances by girlfriends in the past, or had lived a life remarkably sin-free... They were nonetheless too smart to buy into my games and left me anecdote-poor and hungry for knowledge. I still wanted to understand what went on behind the velvet curtain, or smeared sliding door, or, in the case of some less salubrious outer suburban businesses, bullet-riddled flyscreen. Red lights and buzzing fluorescents and lamps with shawls draped over them, value packs of lubricants, massage oil that smelt like cupboards... My assumptions about the world of prostitution were cartoonish at best. Certainly strip clubs had always been accessible, but I'd never seen the point of them. All that money being thrown around in sticky wads just so a frightened-looking meter maid might indelicately shove her gusset in your face. There was no touching the talent, and if a chap got even the slightest semblance of a hard-on, he was tapped on the shoulder and politely asked to leave. Why bother? The thought of all those men standing around in meaty clumps, sniggering and snorting and gaping, open-mouthed, not knowing where to put their fingers or their beers, then climbing into their cars with straining erections and heading home for a sad diddle in the shower seemed simply ludicrous. 
The last time I'd been to Melbourne strip club Spearmint Rhino, my friend Jen had drunk the bar clean of tequila and spent a disturbing amount of time in a dark corner making out with a stranger who was the spitting image of Shane Warne. I don't have my glasses on. Is he hot? Should I go home with him? She slurred to the rest of us during a break from frantic necking. She was wearing a peaked cap with the words beer sluts emblazoned across the front. Jen, no. Jen winked and nodded at the same time, an action we would have thought physically impossible given the fact she'd just spent the last five minutes trying to eat a discarded peanut off the floor and lurched off back in the direction of Warney and his unimpressed pals. We lost her for a little while after that and became swept up in the typical social awkwardness that abounds when a group of inner-city wankers visit a strip club ironically. We swung between snidely making fun of the stripper outfits or acting as private ventriloquists.